The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. We're coming to you on Friday morning, the day after the New York Giants made Florida wide receiver Kadarius Toney their first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. Interesting circumstance for the Giants, first trade down. In Dave Gettleman's nine years as an NFL general manager, landed the Giants, uh, moved the Giants from 11 to 20 and had them end up landing uh, the electrifying Florida wide receiver here to, to help me break it all down. Talk about Tony, talk about the big move that the Giants made is Mark Schofield of uh, Big Blue View, Pat's Pulpit. His, his own podcast, which I believe is called The Sco Show, and, and a million other places. Mark, how you doing this morning? Did you get any sleep last night? Um, Ed, um, I, I got some sleep. Let's put it that way. I got some sleep last night. It won't be enough, but that's what draft season is all about. Uh, you fight through it. I'm, I'm drinking the C4, the pre-workout right now. So hopefully that gets me going. I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about Tony. Fascinating move uh, by the New York Giants last night for a number of reasons, both the trade, the player, the position, what was available on the board when they finally made the pick at 20. So I'm really excited to dive into it. Before we do that, though, there's something we have got to discuss, Mark. Oh, boy. Now, you know, I very briefly, I was a little bit busy myself last night, but I very briefly checked out the SB Nation NFL show live stream that was on Facebook last night. And, and you appeared on that show with Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. And, and, and you know what's coming because I reached out to you last night and mentioned this to you, but did, did, did Pete not tell you that there was a dress code? I was not informed there was a dress code, but even if I had been told, I was planning on rocking the shirt I was wearing last night, no matter what. It was a shirt. Um, you can get it at uh, allbreakintees.com. Um, it's the All Juice Team t-shirt. Um, obviously, um, a nod to the late Therese Paler, um, someone we all know and love. 
Um, he would always put together the all juice team, um, during draft season. He loved draft season. Um, this is the, the proceeds from the sales of the t-shirt are going to a scholarship fund at Howard University in his name for young journalist students. Um, Chris Ballard was actually wearing it. The, the coach general manager, he had his t-shirt on, um, during his pre-draft press conference last week. Um, so I was excited to wear this for Therese. Uh, I was thinking of him last night, thinking of Chris Westland last night and some of the, the great football minds we've unfortunately lost uh, over the past couple of week, weeks. Um, so I was thinking of Therese last night. I was happy to wear that shirt in his honor. That That's awesome, Mark. You know, just just to paint folks a picture, though, if you didn't check out the live stream, I I, I peek at the live stream and there there's Mark in his in his T-shirt and there is Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney in shirt and tie, sport coat, looking all professional, and and and, uh, and there's Mark with the T-shirt and in the hair that looks like he just crawled out of bed and and, and all that. So. I had literally, <laughs> I, I had literally just walked out of the shower because uh, Thursday evening that's that's baseball time. Um, co- helping coach my son's little league team, we got practice at, at five thirty every Thursday. So I raced home sweaty wearing the hat hopped in the shower hopped out of the shower hopped on the live stream um it was the best i could do in that moment ed it was the best i could do <laughs> well under the circumstances you had clothes on and it was for a good cause and so uh i i just i i just had to take a minute to it to give you a little bit of our time oh uh, that's uh, that's our relationship though we always give each other a hard time i get in my digs every time i write something I get my digs in, so yeah, it, it's it, the way we do. It's the way we roll, Ed. Yes, you do, and I still manage to give you money for this stuff. I know. I don't understand. <laughs> At some point, you're gonna say no. At some point, you're gonna say no more. Oh uh, well, you know, as long as as long as as long as it's all good natured, Mark. But anyway, let's let's get into let let's get into this pick, and let's talk first of all about the Giants moving down. Now, I had done a million mock draft scenarios and posted one every week. And, and a lot of those scenarios involved, you know, exploring the idea of trading down. And 20 to the Bears was about as far as I thought that the Giants could possibly go. But you know, when you look at what the Giants got, I, in return, I cannot believe I mean, what they got in return is just, is just a huge, huge return, I think, to get a first round pick next year, a fourth round pick next year, an extra pick this year. I thought it was, a, I thought it was a, a massive return that the Giants got for moving down. I think so. And, you know, it's interesting, like, like you, like everybody, we've all been doing mock drafts and we've been exploring various scenarios and, you know, I, I often found myself, and maybe this is the Patriots bias coming into play, but I often found myself seeing New York slide back to 15, you know, and with the Patriots potentially coming up to get a quarterback. 20 always seemed like that was going to be a lot, and if the Bears were to come up to 11, they were going to have to pay a lot. But they were willing to do it. Ryan Pace is, we all assume, sort of general managing for his job here. And so to acquire what they did, a future first, a future fourth, the fifth rounder this year, you know, a pick up 164, and who knows what you could get there or what they have, what they do with that pick in 164. I think it's a tremendous move for Dave Gettleman. I think it was a tremendous move um, to trade back. They were in a position with the way the board had fallen at that point where 
you know, some of the players we assumed that they would be in on, whether it was Jalen Waddle, whether it was Devonta Smith, they were already gone. You know, they were already gone. And especially when Philly comes up to 10 to take Devonta Smith right ahead of you, you know, we, you could have seen the Giants say pick a, an edge at 11. Um, I know we've all talked about the options that were potentially there, Jalen Phillips and Quiddy Pay, um, Gregory Rousseau, who won in the first round. But the value might not have been there given the questions around some of those edges. So Dave Gettleman was in a position where he knew somebody was coming up for a quarterback, so he had the opportunity to explore that trade-down scenario. He was able to force the Chicago Bears to pay a sort of quarterback premium to come up those nine spots to draft Justin Fields. And so he acquired future assets. You know, put themselves in a position where they can address positions next year with the extra picks they've got. And they were in a position then at 20 to go in a number of different directions. They could have gone edge still. They could have, you know, as they eventually did, found the receiver. They could have gone offensive line if they wanted to. So they were in a position where the value was right, the opportunity was right, and they took advantage of the situation. So I think the move to trade down was a very good move. You know, Mark, it's interesting because there are Giants fans who – immediately panicked and are still upset because it was the Eagles who jumped the Giants, you know, to go up and get Devonta Smith. And, and I will never know because the Giants will never say it, you know, out loud, but we can, we can be pretty certain that had, had the Eagles not made that move, the Giants probably would have drafted Devonta Smith. And I'm of the opinion that you know, people were asked, would the Giants move up? Would they be worried about teams jumping them? And I was always of the opinion that the Giants were in a good enough spot with enough talent on the board that it wasn't going to matter what anyone else did. And I still felt that way when the Eagles made that trade because the Giants had options. Um, to me, to me, there's really nothing for Giants fans to be upset about here. So what it was the Eagles. I think this worked out as well as it could have for the Giants. Your, your thoughts on that? I, I think so too, Ed. And I know that, look, there's a lot of, there's always sort of consternation when, you know, a rival perhaps gets in front of your team to perhaps address a player, address a position that you were hoping that team would have addressed with their own selection. Now you can't do it. But, you know, sometimes we on the outside, whether it's fans, whether it's analysts, get caught up in that a little bit more than, the people in the room making these decisions, you know, if you're Dave Gettleman, you know, you understand that the Philadelphia Eagles are trying to improve their roster and, you know, they were able to come up and make a trade within the division. Let's not forget that part of it uh, to address a position of need. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that, you know, New York, maybe they asked around, maybe they made a call to Dallas and said, look, you know, we'd like to come up. Who knows? Um but now we're going to see what happens now. I mean, this is a situation where they maximize the return on it uh, by trading out the way they did. Will it hurt to have to cover Devonta Smith a couple of times next year? Yeah, probably. Um, but maybe if you address Edge now at 42, like we, I think you and I expect them to, you're going to be able to put pressure on Jalen Hurts, so he won't be able to get the ball out to Devonta Smith, you know, 5, 10, 12 times a game. And so – It'll be interesting to see how the rest of this draft unfolds from the New York Giants perspective. But I do think that, you know, sometimes we get more caught up in the moment of, oh, you know, now they're coming up and they're taking the guy that we wanted, you know, 
mock drafts are funny things. They have a way of sort of shaping our frame of reference on players um, and value and risers and fallers. The great and wise Emery Hunt tweeted that out this morning, and he's exactly right about it. Um, maybe for people like myself that thought Devonta Smith would have been a great fit in the new with the New York Giants, maybe Dave Gettleman didn't agree. You know, maybe he looked at it and saw a 166-pound wide receiver and thought, well, you know what, the value's not quite right at 11. We're not going to take him anyway. Kudos to the Eagles for doing it. Maybe they got their guy, but we're going to do something completely different. We're going to trade out and then look what, see what the board looks like at 20. Before we get into, you know, really diving kind of deeply into Kadarius Tony, I want to talk about Gettleman for a minute. And people love to pick on Dave Gettleman and, they love to talk about all the years that he never traded down and opportunities that he had and and why did he take Saquon Barkley second overall and you know and why was he so in love with Daniel Jones after watching him at the senior bowl and, and and whatever no no matter what Dave does it never seems to to satisfy the fan base mostly and justifiably be, you know, when people look at it and say well they haven't won enough games you know, it, it, so, and, and that, of course, is valid. I mean, some of his moves have been good. Some of them haven't. But I give Gettleman and the Giants immense credit for being prepared to make this move last night. I, I go back to 2016 when the Giants were in kind of a similar situation, when everybody in the universe knew that their two targets were Leonard Floyd and Jack Conklin. And you had the Bears trade up in front of them to get Floyd, and then you had the Titans trade up in front of them to get Jack Conklin, and the Giants were completely unprepared at that point. They had no trade-down scenarios in place. They weren't sure who to take. They took Eli Apple. GM Jerry Reese went to the the post-pick press conference and stumbled his way through trying to explain how the Giants ended up picking Eli Apple. And, of course, that didn't work out. Last night, Gettleman explained to us that that he had been talking to Ryan Pace about this possibility for for quite a while, that they had talked twice during the day on Thursday, during the afternoon and again you know, a few picks into the first, into the first round. So they were prepared. They knew what they wanted. They knew who they could trade with. And, and to me, you know, this is maybe if Kadarius Tony hits as a player, this is maybe the best move of Gettleman's career as Giants GM. Quite possibly. Um, you know, especially, look, if Tony hits and you've added the future first and a fourth and the fifth rounder this year, it's a tremendous move. Um because if Tony hits, there's going to be a byproduct there, and that's going to be the Daniel Jones component to this. Because obviously this is year three of Daniel Jones. This is the time where you as Giants fans want to see him take that leap like we saw from Josh Allen a year ago. And if you think back to a couple months ago, Ed, when you and I were talking with Tony Rassiopi, you know, about Daniel Jones and what you want to see from him, you know, Josh Allen's name came a ton, and what did Buffalo do? They went out and got Stephon Diggs um, to help spur that development on. And so if Tony hits, it's going to mean that Daniel Jones probably took that leap forward, which is also then a huge quiver and sort of, you know, huge arrow in Dave Gettleman's quiver 
that it can point to and say, look, you know, the Tony pick, it, that trade down, it allowed us to get assets and it also allowed us to put Daniel Jones in a position to be successful. You know, and so I think that's a tremendous, you know, opportunity here for the New York Giants and a really big way to sort of validate what Dave Gettleman has done over the past couple of years. And I think what's interesting is this is the influence, I think, of, of the quarterback market in general, you know, because not only did you did Gettleman have an opportunity to sort of pre organize these kinds of deals and these kinds of opportunities and explore options for trading down. It's partly because you had teams that were already dying to try to move up, you know, with Ryan Pace, who's like we said, sort of general managing for his job. He was probably calling everybody from 19 to one, you know, how can I get up? And, you know, the opportunity for Gettleman to sort of put those, those foundations in place to get this deal done is fantastic because I think back to, you know, 2019, I believe, when it was the Philadelphia Eagles who come up to 22 to draft Andre Diller, the offensive tackle for Washington State. When everybody knew at 23, Houston needed to draft a tackle. Their offensive line was bad. And they panicked and just drafted Titus Howard, the, the small school kid from Alabama State, which hasn't quite panned out for them. And so that does happen. Teams will qu- sort of panic when things don't go their way. If Gettleman was really honed in on Devonta Smith and he goes right in front of you, that same scenario could have played out again where they sort of panic and suddenly they're drafting, you know, Rondale Moore because they're just grabbing a receiver to grab a receiver just for the sake of doing it. Instead, they had the ability, they had the, the foundational work done to get this deal done, slide back to 20, pick up the future assets. And if it does pan out, like you said, it's going to look like a fantastic home run kind of move. All right. So now the, uh, now that the key part of this question, as far as the player that the Giants picked, did you like the pick, love the pick, hate the pick? Um, how did you feel about the Giants selection of Kadarius Tony right there? It's interesting because there's a couple of different ways people are looking at this Kadarius Tony pick. For me, I liked it. I'm looking at, for whatever it's worth, my own personal big board. He was player 23 on it. And to get him a 20 and acquire future assets and a position you wanted to address, I think the value makes sense. I think the move makes sense. If you look at the sort of consensus big board put together by Arif Hassan, and this is where he's grabbing everybody's big board and putting it together, Kadarius Tony was ranked 32nd on that board, and he was kind of wide receiver four overall. Again, I think the value kind of makes sense because when you get to the like 20 plus range of the first round, you're not going to get guys that have first round grades. You're probably going to have to reach for guys that have more second round grades because talk to most people in and around the league and they'll tell you teams probably have maybe 12 to 14 first round grades, but you're obviously not just picking 14 players in the first round. So there are going to be players that get bumped up. Um, so I like this pick. I like Kadarius Tony as a prospect. He was wide receiver six for me overall, um, but that was including Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver. Um, for for me, I had, you know, Chase, Waddle, Smith, Bateman, you know, Pitts, and then Tony. Um, and I think he's an extremely talented player. He's an incredible change of direction athlete who has incredible movement skills. He's feisty as a blocker at times. Um he has the ability to sort of give you some extra juice, particularly when it looks like the ball is going to come his way, but really all the time. Um, short area quickness. 
I think he's best in the slot, but I wouldn't rule out him being able to play on the outside. He showed that ability at the senior bowl to operate on more of a boundary type of, in a boundary type of role with the ability to separate. He's a full body route runner who will use shoulders, head nods, you know, glances and things like that to sell defenders on routes and on breaks. And so I think it's a good pick. I know a lot of people have pushed back on it and said, Oh, you could have done something else. Um, but I do think it's a good play. You watch him against Vanderbilt. You watch him against LSU. You watch him against Texas A&M. You watch that play against South Carolina where he broke 50 tackles. It's, it, it makes a lot of sense to me, the things that he brings to the table, particularly when, you know, if you're going to cater to what Daniel Jones has traditionally done best, which is quick reads, quick throws, and the maximize yardage after the catch, this is a guy that had, what, like 32 broken tackles or something like that on 80 attempts? That's a pretty impressive number. And so I think you put it all together. I'm a fan of this pick. I know that there's pushback on it from where I sit. I think it's a very good pick for the Giants. This is a player with um, a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed, You know, the ability to make things happen once you get the ball into his hands. But this is a guy who he's not a developed wide receiver like a Devonta Smith like to a lesser extent, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle. Uh, he's not a, a, a polished wide receiver, but when you have studied him, do, A, how much do you think that matters? And B, in his development, do you see the ability for him to, to really, to become a, a more polished, you know, wide receiver? Or is he always just going to be a get the ball in his hands however you can and, and let him do something with it kind of guy? See, I think he already has shown signs of being more polished, and I think he can sort of round out that feel for the game, that feel for routes and breaks and setting up defenders. I think you've already seen that sort of come together with the work he was doing at the Senior Bowl. I, I think you watch him. One of the things that I did like seeing about him is his feel for finding soft spots against zone coverage, whether it was, you know, a couple of routes he had against Vanderbilt, um, a couple of routes where he was sort of, you know, feeling that underneath zone coverage on those shallows, those crossers against LSU. I, I think he he's not a contested catch guy. I don't think that's his game, but he can certainly give you that. He had a wheel route against LSU where, you know, again, it's a, it's turned into a contested catch play and he can sort of make that catch in the phone booth. Um, option routes with his change of direction and, and short area quickness are obviously, I think, going to be a big part of his game at the next level. And so you start seeing the ability to fill in perhaps the incomplete grades on the evaluation when he's doing things like this. And he had for me, Ed, a lot of what we like to call those put the pen down moments. I mean, he had, against Vanderbilt, one of my favorite two-yard losses I've ever seen where it's a, a bubble screen and gets blown up. He somehow stays upright, reverses field, and turns what should have been like a 20-yard loss into a two-yard loss, which I know sounds silly, but it was still a very impressive play. And so I think he might start out as more of that manufactured touch type of player, but I do think that the the finer points to the play in the wide receiver position are in process and are being developed by him. And so I, I think he might start as that kind of player, but I think he, as he goes on, 
into his rookie season, certainly into his second year. He's going to be more of that complete player. And I do think sometimes we get wrapped up into, oh, can he give you a, a full route tree as a rookie? And that, and that's a real oversimplification of what you ask receivers to do because it's rare that you ask veteran NFL receivers to give you a full route tree. It's what can this guy do and will that help us win? I think you look at Tony, his athleticism, the change of direction skills, and the manufactured touches and the things he can create off of those. Are those going to help Daniel Jones? Are those going to help the New York Giants? From where I sit, I think the answer is an affirmative yes. Well, that's that's good news for Giants fans to to hear. I know there's, as you said, there's been some some pushback on the pick. Mark, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but just quickly give me your take on the Bears side of this deal and on their decision to move up for for Justin Fields. I I, I do like this move from Chicago's perspective. Um, it, it's clear that they need to figure out the quarterback position. Um, I don't think anybody looked at Andy Dalton as the answer, uh, short term, long term. I, I think he was put there to be sort of a nice bridge and stopgap to somebody that they acquired in this draft, whether it was round one, round two. I like the fact that Chicago was aggressive. They went up and got the guy that, you know, as a Patriots fan, I was sitting there, fingers crossed, hoping that somehow New England was going to find a way to to select Justin Fields last night. That didn't come together. I, I'm a huge fan of Justin Fields. I'm a massive believer in Justin Fields. The the sort of pre-draft process regarding Justin Fields has been infuriating from where I sit. Um, but I think that this is a, a young man that has shown leadership, competitive toughness, um, athleticism, arm talent, like checks so many boxes for me. He was more quarterback 1B than than 2 in my mind. I, I thought he was a lot closer to Trevor Lawrence than, than the rest of this group. And now he's coming into a situation where if Chicago can add some talent around him, obviously, look, you have Allen Robinson. You have some questions on offensive line. Uh, they might want to add another slot receiver. I know they're thinking about moving on from Anthony Miller, but – this is a fantastic opportunity for Justin Fields. I'm certainly excited to watch his career begin in Chicago. And I think for Ryan Pace, this is a move that he had to make, which is why he was perhaps willing to pay what he paid to the New York Giants to come up from 20 because he was general managing for his job. All right, Mark, let's talk a little bit about uh, where we are in the draft right now as we record this show. We're headed into into day two. Uh, from a Giants perspective, obviously Elijah Vera Tucker wasn't on the board, you know, when, the, when they chose, uh, Kadarius Tony. You might think, you know, right off the bat that the Giants would hope to get, uh, to get their edge rusher at 42, but there was a big run on edge rushers, you know, late in the first round. What do you see? What do you see for the Giants in your in your Mark Schofield crystal ball? Um, are there still some some quality edge rushers who could be there at forty two? And what do you think they'll do with forty two and seventy six? You know, I, I you and I have talked a lot about the opportunity to address edge at forty two if they've gone in a different direction, and I, I think there will be you know Aziz Ojolari, the the Georgia edge, long, explosive, athletic. You know, he might be slotting due to a, a, a knee injury history, but I think he might be there at 42. Joseph Osai, who I like a lot 
I think he'll be there at 42. I would love that pick because he's got some versatility. I think Patrick Graham could find a bunch of different ways to sort of use him. You know, if they do sort of look at maybe interior offensive line, why um, Ohio State, he'll be there at 42. I don't, I don't think he's going to come off the board before then. Creed Humphrey, I know he's more of a center, probably not a need, but interior offensive lineman, he might be there. I, I think if you look at receiver, if you want to, go down that road. I don't think you do. You just drafted Kadarius Tony, but there will be some receiver options there. Um, at the pick in the third round, though, obviously I think they'll probably have to go in a different direction with, with you at 42. And my expectations are that they would address edge at 42, um, whether it's Ojolari, whether it's Osai. Um, you know, you could probably even go a Carlos Basham um, because he might still be there at 42. So if you take edge and look at that, it's a pick at 42. You're still going to have some some options at tackle at interior offensive line at 76. Quinn Minerts, the interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin Whitewater, who's played both center and guard, he'll probably be available at 46. Um, you might see a situation where Trey Smith from Tennessee is available. Landon Dickerson's an interesting name because of the medical history. He's played every position. Um, he seems to be sliding. He might be in play for them at 42 if they go offensive line. If not, he could still be there at 76. And so they'll have some options here on, on Friday night to address good players at both edge and offensive line. I would expect them to go edge first, O-line later, because I feel like that's deeper. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Dave Gettleman looks at it and says, okay, we've helped Daniel Jones from the wide receiver perspective. Now we got to make sure we can get our best five in front of him. Maybe Landon Dickerson at 42. You know, maybe it's it's Wyatt Davis at 42. But we got to make sure we can get our best five in front of our quarterback. And so we'll go offensive line of the trenches at 42, and then try to find an edge a little bit later this draft. You know, Mark, I think I agree with you. I generally don't like the sort of paint by numbers approach where it's we're going to go pick position A in round one, position B in round two, position C in round three, and, and go that way. But I think that when you look at the Giants I, and the way the board shapes up, I do think you can probably get you, – you're probably more likely to get a quality interior lineman at 76 than you would be to, to see an edge rusher fall to there. So so I kind of agree with you that that – that edge would make sense at 42 and, and addressing the line later, um, would, would make more sense. But let me ask you this. A lot of, we're t- just last thing to, to really address Giants offensive line. You know, I'm sure we've talked about this before. You know, people, the Giants let Kevin Zeitler go. They're, they're relying on Andrew Thomas and, and Matt Parrott at, at the tackles. Uh, we're not sure how their guard situation's going to shake out. When you look at the Giants offensive line, are you, are you bullish on that young group or are you worried that, that that young group in front of them, it's, which is unproven at this point, is, is really going to, to, to unravel all of the other work that they've done? I'm, I'm more cautiously optimistic than anything else about this offensive line. I think you see Andrew Thomas in the last half of last season. You can start to see the reasons why he was a first round pick. Um, for a third rounder and then, you know, the Yukon kid, Matt Pard, I, I was impressed with the way he played the position last year. 
you know, I like some of what I saw from, from Shane Lemieux at the guard spot. Obviously, Will Hernandez, you know, has done some good things for the Giants. I know they really believe in Nick Gates at center, and you're getting Nate Solder back. And so there is an opportunity where they could already have a pretty good five um, with a swing tackle option and one of those three tackles as well. And so, you know, there's an opportunity where this offensive line could really sort of come together this season. Um, but I do think that making sure you have that opportunity to put the best five out there is a smart move, which is why I think in addition, if the interior offensive line makes sense, whether it's, you know, a Wyatt Davis, Quinn Miner, it's Landon Dickerson or somebody to make sure you can get your core five out in front of Daniel Jones. But I do think this has the potential to be a very good offensive line. You're just going to all, you're still betting on a little bit of developmental steps from the, the two young tackles, um, taking another step forward for Will Hernandez. And Nick Gates continuing to be that player that Giants organization clearly believes he can be. All right, Mark, always appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, you know, go ahead and uh, get get some sleep today before before the second and third rounds tonight, will you? I'm gonna try, man. But you know, we we've, we've got we got a baseball game to coach up uh, this afternoon, so I'm gonna be doing that. Uh, maybe maybe I'll be able to sneak in a nap. We'll see, but. This is the time of year that we live for, my friend. Um, always great to catch up with you um, on the shows, before the shows, after the shows. Um, I, I'm, I'll just say, look, I, I'm a fan of the Tony pick. I, I do see where it could work. I like what he brings to the table. Um, I, I like what he can do schematically with this Giants offense, and I'm excited to see them get to work with him. All right, Mark, thank you very, very much. And Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please make sure to check out all of our coverage of the, uh, of the NFL draft throughout the, the remainder of the weekend at Big Blue View. All right. Take care and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.